Welcome to Around the Table. As we continue with this explanation about the revision of the Statement of Faith, the elders address, among other things, the benefits of clarifying our beliefs and practices to enable more effective teaching of both. I do think one of the things that we have heard, and, I, and it's important for us to be aware of, is this potential risk that could come out if we somehow put things distinctively in different buckets, and it may would seem like we're elevating one and diminishing a, another. Um, you know, Brother Nick, any, any thoughts that, especially some of the church practices that I think all of us have seen benefit uh, in and appreciated them over the years, you know, that they could be reduced as a part of this effort? Any thoughts that you would like to share on that particular risk? Yeah, well, first of all, surely our our intent is quite the opposite of that. I think Brad touched on it, but we're we're really wanting to clarify and I think put light on each. The intent is to strengthen both the teaching and communication of our beliefs and our practices. And by clarifying our biblical-based practices and distinguishing them from our core beliefs, we can accurately teach them. You know, I think that there is a there is a risk that bundling them together can diminish clarity. And I think one example, and I, it's not really a criticism, it's just an observation. If you, if you read our first current and our current statement, of faith, our, our first statement says, the Bible is the inspired and infallible word of God to man. The New Testament serves as the foundation of the doctrine of the apostolic Christian church. The author, authorized King James Version is embraced. All those are true, but if you break those apart, you would say, well, maybe there is an unintended message around the New Testament being the foundation that the Old Testament is kind of sitting there. But we all know that the message is uh, a message that spans from Genesis to Revelation, and it's it's one. The King James Version, while we want a common translation to preach from, we also know that as you go to Mexico or into Japan or Jamaica with sign language, that it's not a relevant, relevant thing. So trying to get into that and pull it out will actually, I think, help shine light on where it fits, the category per se, and then allows the teaching to go well. There's another point here, though, I think that's important. Much of what we practice for us, uh, those of us who were, you know, who've been for decades in our church and grew up in our church, is that our practices have been ingrained for us and many of us in this older generation. And I've heard this coined as it's, we've, we've had adopted those practices through osmosis. They weren't necessarily taught, but we just did them. We just observed them. It was just part of who we are. Well, today's youth questions that, and we need to have answers for that. Why do we do that? And more and more as we reach out in evangelizing, we have attendees and uh, and seekers who did not grow up in the apostolic Christian church. So our ability to explain what that is and teach it, I think is going to be is becoming more and more important. And so it's an opportunity by accurate capture of beliefs and practices to teach credibly and strengthen both. Yeah, just to build on that a little bit, Brother Nick, with a follow-up question, you know, one of the things we often talked about is, especially with our biblical directives or practices or commandments, they're clearly in the scripture, but oftentimes it is silent in terms of when, where, how often, et cetera. And at times, maybe if we're not careful, we can add to scripture and sort of say, well, this is what it meant and sort of, put that as a, as a higher or lower, either one, higher or lower barrier on that. So what is the effort as you talked about teaching of our biblical practices that we hope that this could accomplish? Well, I hope that it, it would be uh, in appreciating them in um, being, let's say, somewhat consistent in that and in 
like uh, you mentioned, showing the value of what those practices have been for our unity and for our demonstration of really trying to understand the Bible and apply it in our day-to-day lives, walking in the scriptures, so to speak. So just building, pulling this thread a little bit further, Brother Wayne, one of the things that as we start defining things and there's numbers and there's, you know, there's a certain number of, of statements in our statement of faith or a certain number of biblical practice. Again, the risk is that we're in some ways reinforcing more of a legalistic or rules-based thinking of these are important. If it's not spoken, it's not there. So how do we appropriately balance the, the teachings of God's word, but also some of the principles underneath it to help us deal with as, as time and events unfold? Yeah, I'm probably going to build a lot on what's already been said. You know, we we think of these these buckets. I don't even like that term because it sounds so defined. And as Brother Brad said, there's it's a kind of a continuum almost. But um, and and Brother Nick mentioned about how this this is really meant to enable that teaching. And I'd say as we as we think of those different categories, uh, we probably were, are going to need to think about how we teach those just a little differently. So. On the, the in the core doctrines, we can think of those as things like you could put a "I believe" statement in front of most of those and go directly to the word, and there will be many verses that would would show, and and we could point directly to that would would show what we believe and what we should believe. As we move toward these biblical directives, I think that it's fair to say that there's parts of these that are very clear in the word and parts that are left, as, as, as you mentioned, not as said. So we're going to have to move toward a more principles-based teaching, which well, I, I, I feel like by being, you know, acknowledging that some of these things are, are not as spelled out in the word that we can not de-emphasize, but teach them differently. And so... I think we have to be careful that we don't try to make these categories so distinct. And then, and and by the way, I don't think we're going to get every last practice in the statement of faith. It wasn't in the, in the original. And so I think we just have to be cautious um, and, and acknowledge some things are clear. Some things are not be clear about what's clear and, and be clear about what's not clear and teach uh, accordingly. Sounds like there's gonna be some more teaching going on. Um, which is a good thing, right? It's more time with, with, with each other and the blessings that, that we found. You know, I think, Brother Lynn, one of the risks that we've heard throughout this, this process is, are we changing what we believe? Are we compromising what we believe by some of the efforts that, we, that, that are undergoing? So w- what would be your thoughts and what are we trying to do to address those concerns? Well, I think uh, perspective is, is really huge and really important. And if I, I would suspect if if most of the church would sit in our chair and say, do you have any inclination to water down a document of that importance? They'd all say, no, wouldn't want to do that. We'd, we'd never want to do that. So going back again to our, our purpose for doing so is uh, it, it'd be my hope and prayer that future leadership does the same thing. We're not going to have a perfect document. It's not mm-hmm. going to cover everything. Maybe we're trying to cover too much. We're not sure where we're going to land, but I think we're modeling something that's important that each generation of leaders should review, consider, prayerfully discuss, and try to improve it. So as we sat down as elders um, last January and, and, and handed out different uh, 
of the 20 statements, gave them two or three to look at and said, now, try to help us understand, is there a mixture of core belief? And I would call more like a denominational distinctive. Mm -hmm. Some of our distinctives would be like mature conversion, not a young child, but somebody who is mature enough to make that decision, or confession before men. That's distinct. It's biblical, but it's kind of distinct to us. Restitution. Again, we have biblical support for sure, but they're, they're kind of distinct to us as a church. And so the goal is not to make it, obviously not to uh, water it down, but to make it more understandable and easier to help our youngest believer to our more, most mature believer having a, a love and appreciation for who we are, who we're trying to become, what God is trying to do in the church that he's building. I appreciate that. And I think, at least for me, going through this has been a wonderful opportunity as, as we often get questions and we don't have, as you know, in, in the workplace, we talk about an elevator speech and as someone says, so what do you believe? And, you know, it's easy for us to say the Bible's true and and, and so what are those things that we would want to highlight in, in a consistent way with, with joy in our hearts, right? And because we serve a, such a loving and living God. And I think this is, we're hoping this, that same enthusiasm as Brother Nick has shared as we want to evangelize would continue to, um, to, to be in the forefront of our tongues and our, and, our, and, our, and our lips. Part of what we've said, and I think it's good for the church to be aware of, is just, you know, in, we've talked about an overall committee effort, but just maybe the experiences that each of us have had as we went through this process. And so maybe, Brother Brad, you could start and share what, what, what is sort of exciting you the most about what we've been going through and maybe any concerns that you would, you would like to share. Well, it's been mentioned already. And so at the risk of uh, repetition, it's just been encouraging and um, uplifting to, to be part of this kind of conversation. And we really have that hope that as others continue to engage in this over the years, that happens when we point each other to scripture. And, and that's what this has been. And, and I have certainly benefited, not only from the four of you in these conversations, I hope that it's actually apparent in this podcast um, of our appreciation for each other. And, and even though we don't I'm at it exactly the same place. We have been iron sharpening iron, but also just the need for that ongoing deep humility in anything like this. And it's it's a balance. It's a both and, as we've been talking about, because these are very important things. And we aren't the first to make an effort to write them down. There's something referred to known as the Apostles' Creed, as I understand it, was just after some generations of even certain things asked of baptismal candidates, they ended up writing it down and starts off with, I believe. So that's not new. And these are weighty and important things that we do well to emphasize. And we are but men. And so just to reiterate what Brother Lynn said, our expectation is that future generations We'll continue to go to the word and then edit our words appropriately as led by the Holy Spirit in the days to come. But it's just been a huge blessing. And my prayer is that that is the case for all who engage this content for however long this particular revision is in publication, if you will. Thanks, Brother Brad. Brother Nick? 
Thoughts, you chair? Yeah, I, I think one is that it, the weight of it, you know, it, it's like, I don't know how you feel when you preach, but I feel a weight every time of the responsibility to preach accurately as, you know, and, and by the spirit, but accurately the word of God. Mm. And so that weight is here too, as we look to try to oh, define or, or sharpen our, our foundational tenets of faith. And so it's, it's a weight. But it's also a responsibility, I think, that we have uh, to defend, as I mentioned earlier, defending sound doctrine is a key responsibility of leadership, especially in a world where there are so many alternative views, some of them slightly right, but often wrong. And therefore, we need to be able to teach it. And it's our responsibility. And it's beautiful to experience that with a multitude of, of brothers and sisters who have input into all this. So we, we rely on our elder body. We rely on our church family to help challenge us in that regard as the spirit works in them. And I found that to be just really wonderful. I think a, a concern I would have is, is a, a worry that, that I hope that this isn't a perception that this is just another change. Here we go again. I really hope that that's not the response, you know, as if it's a departure from who we are in Christ. And I feel it's, it's actually a desire to, to unify. And so my hope is that it will be viewed it as a way of unifying our body, keeping us in one accord. I was reading this morning in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 1, and it's, it struck me how often Paul, when he writes, uh, talks to the churches about being in one accord. I don't think that means agreeing on everything. I think it means in humility accepting that we don't have all the answers and that we are in a community together and that we will we will be aligned and we will be unified. And I'm hoping that this is the way it'll be viewed, that we're working towards that, both with practices as well as with the uh, core doctrines. Brother Wayne? Probably a lot duplication of uh, what's already been said. I gained a great appreciation for you, brothers, just the humility with which... Um, you approach the word and it's, it's caused me to gain a, a deep, deeper appreciation for the word and how we can always go back to it. And um, I guess, you know, as, as you sometimes maybe you brothers do this, I do this sort of step back and say, what's, what are we doing here? And is it important work? And um, I was just pondering over that um, just recently. And, and this, this message to Titus about sound doctrine that Paul wrote. And, and um, he, he says by, uh, that you may be able by sound doctrine, which is what we're trying to do is, is strengthen sound doctrine, both be able to exhort, which I believe is the believer, exhort and to convince, which is the gainsayers, which is the unbeliever. Mm -hmm. And I feel like mm -hmm. uh, that, that, that gives me... Um, sort of energy around the work is that this, this is important both to our believers and unbelievers that um, all can be saved. I hope that everybody will appreciate the care that we're taking, not write this effort off as just another change, as you mentioned. And I'm really hopeful that others, um, you know, one of the things we've committed to is that for every change, we've documented what's changed and why, and that those will generate the conversations and that we've had, and that will strengthen the entire body. I'm, I'm very hopeful for that. Um, and 
I just hope that everybody has the same blessing that we've had, that I've had in this effort. Well said, Brother Wayne. Brother Lynn? A couple thoughts. So this isn't such a new effort for us here in Bluffton, but it was just more of a, a local project that we were working on as, as a minister group going back eight to ten years ago. We had a statement of faith that we loved and appreciated, but we didn't feel like we could teach it with very with a lot of clarity to especially our younger converts. Mm-hmm. And so we did spend time with those 20 statements and then trying to help understand, so what are those foundational core precepts? And then what are those uh, denominational interpretations of biblical directives? And, and so it was such a beneficial experience for us as a minister group. So then when I was invited into this committee, um, I felt really honored to be a part of it. And uh, so the additional blessing is a much broader perspective. You know, geographically, we're, we're quite diverse and we're, we're shepherding different churches. And, and so, again, a real opportunity for listening and learning and thinking together and then opening it up again broadly to our churches and our congregations so, been very, very blessed and uh, thankful that uh, it's ha- it's happening. It's not over. It's happening. I appreciate all the thoughts. I think you know if we go back at the at the beginning, you know, each of us, our ability and and what we've heard. And I just speak personally to myself, sitting down with converts or, or frankly even believers as along their journey, and hearing their interpretation of what the statement of faith was and what it meant, and and sometimes the confusion that came by words that we had sort of, as Brother uh, Nick had said early on, we had maybe put three sentences in the same, underneath the same bullet, which may have given the impression that they were all of equal weight. Mm-hmm. And, and and here here were brothers and sisters trying to do what they believed the elders were encouraging them to do, and, and yet maybe not have appreciated the, the distinctiveness between the different sentences. It really, I think all of us believe God is not an author of confusion. Um, but he, desire, he desires that his will would be known to each one of us and that we could clearly follow it. And so, you know, I think, you know, for, for us, I hope you're hearing an, an enthusiasm because we believe in, in the powerful word of God and an opportunity to, to continually to, to share it and to, to do it. But in a way, carefully, mm-hmm. that there's not unintended consequences, just because just as we've talked throughout our time, those brothers who in a much shorter period of time did such a wonderful work had no desire to send any certain agenda. It was just they were doing what they, the best they could. We likewise, in our time, are trying to do the best that, that we can. I would uh, I would share two final thoughts. One is as Brother Lynn invited the church into the process. You know, if you have thoughts, you know, share them with your or questions. You know, share them with your local elder, with your with your ministers. We we desire to be easily to be entreated as we as we go through this. We, you know, I, I look at Romans fifteen fourteen. I'm absolutely persuaded, my brethren, that each one of you are full of all goodness and knowledge, and we can admonish one another. We can teach one another. And so we're, we're thankful for your input today. Also very thankful for your prayers. We know, as, as brother, each of these brothers have said, it's not just the five of us or just the elder body, but we've been we've been able to be look through the word, but also have really been benefited by the prayers of the of the church. And so thank you. Thank you for that. Um, and I guess, you know, my desire is, and I think all of our desire is that this output, as is, is each of these brothers have said, would not be seen as a change, or would not be seen as a document, 
would be an opportunity for us as we spend time in the Word and spend time with each other, that this statement of faith would increase our living faith and that we would be would be more enabled by the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit living in our lives would bring forth that fruit, whether 30, 60, or 100-fold. Thanks for listening. Around the Table is available on AC Central and now also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Pocket Casts. It is a production of Onward Media, a communications ministry of the Apostolic Christian Church.